The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Sequel Quest, episode 129. A sequel to the 1990s Mortal Kombat franchise. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic journey to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way. Sequel Quest is go for launch, so let the adventure begin now. Sequel Quest is not about death, but life. Three mortal podcasters entertaining your world. I've looked into your soul, and one of your prequels, sequels, or reboots will determine the outcome of the podcast. The entertainment of billions depends on you. (laughs) Sorry. So you're saying this is the most important podcast ever? Wow. I don't think so. It has begun! Welcome to the return of Sequel Quest. Finally back from Outworld after a couple of months on a rickety old boat. I'm Adam. And of course, joining me in this killer tournament are a couple of lethal combatants I trust with my life. First up, the man who always shows up to a death match in $500 sunglasses. It's Jeremy. Hey. And standing there in his leather duster coat with a scowl on his face, Jeff, you will be next. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) this time around we are talking about a film series that has been on the list of movies i've wanted to cover since the podcast launched back in 2015 it just never made the cut but now warner brothers is bringing us mortal kombat on hbo max and in theaters based on the hugely successful and intensely controversial 1992 arcade game mortal kombat hit screens in the summer of 1995 and was followed up by a sequel mortal kombat annihilation in 1997 then nothing for 24 years well not exactly nothing at all in live action but we'll get into that later so this is the question that we have here for you guys how or where did you first encounter Mortal Kombat the game? Jeff? I'm sure it would have been in arcades. I, I don't remember which one in particular. The arcade that I was most familiar with was a bowling alley. Yep, Irvine Lanes. Yeah, I guess it was Irvine Lanes that was over there. So I'm sure there was one over there. And Palace Park was right next door. Well, Palace Park didn't exist for a while. That's true. So before Palace Park, they had that. Yeah, you know what? I have a feeling we used to have a pizza place nearby called Rabino's Pizza. And I feel like they must have had it because I remember they had Street Fighter. So my guess is they probably had Mortal Kombat as well. Okay, cool. What about you, Jeremy? Have you had experience with Mortal Kombat? Uh, Usually at friends' houses when I would stay over, they would have the games in the system. 
and we'd play it on there. Okay. Now, for me, I've played the game first. It was actually a prototype game. This is what I will say. The, the precursor to Mortal Kombat, the same programming team created this game called Pit Fighter. And Pit Fighter was the same style, you know, where it was actual people that have been photographed and they were oh, yeah. incorporated into the game. I played that at the arcade next to the Edwards Cinemas at Fashion Island, Jeff. So not big Newport, but there was one inside okay. the mall itself. Yep. I, used, yep. I used to go there a lot. And so I played it there. But then one time my brother-in-law, my sister's 15 years older than me. So she was married. They were both in college. And I used to go visit them during the summers. And he was doing some summer class, supposed to be babysitting me. This is like 1993. He took me to his college campus while he had to take care of some things and gave me like 10 bucks. And so at the food court there, they had an arcade and they had Mortal Kombat. I just saw this guy with a crazy face jump in on the side of the cabinet. I was like, what is this? Wow. And I just started playing. I was like, this game's crazy. But like Jeremy, I mainly played it on the Sega Genesis at my friend Brett's house in eighth grade because he lived across the street from our junior high. So I would just go to his house every day after school, listen to the Jerky Boys, play Mortal Kombat 2 or Mortal Kombat 3 while I ransacked his pantry. And it was just like this ritual, this daily thing. So I'm sure his mom hated me because I was the fat kid coming over, eating them out of house and home every day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at one point she's like, you got to stop eating our food. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Jeff's mom probably had the same experience once I started going to his house. <laughs> we never had the good food, so no one ever ate our food. It's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone went to Justin's house for that. Yes. Now, Jeff, what do you remember about the controversy over the violence in this game? I mean, it's it's funny because it's like cause Street Fighter for a long time, Street Fighter 2 was a much bigger game for mm. a long time. It was an established game. And Mortal Kombat, my feeling was, and it was, it's plenty violent. It's the same level of violence. The difference with Mortal Kombat was blood. Is that when you punch somebody, there would be blood that would splash off of them. And then they kicked it up with like fatalities and all of that. And so that was definitely the, like, the controversy. I mean, controversy in the sense that like adults didn't really go into arcades so they didn't they weren't terribly familiar with it especially not like my parents and stuff like that so you'd hear about it but you know without the internet being out there to kind of spread this sort of stuff like that i feel like it's a little different than controversies that we're familiar with today well i mean and it, it was a, it was a situation where i think it didn't become a big deal until it came to the home consoles like kids knew about it like you said in the arcade we're like, oh, this game's super violent. It's awesome. And then on Mortal Monday, which was this huge, you know, big deal, there was the commercials where that was the first time, you know, this shout of Mortal Kombat was heard on TV and everybody's looking forward to it. And then, yeah, when parents walk into their living room and they see what their kids are playing, Jeremy, you said you were playing at Fred's houses. Is that because you didn't want it or your parents wouldn't allow it? We were always a system behind everyone. So uh, we had like the NES, the Super Nintendo. Nintendo, and we would always go over to friends' places and play that on the Sega, and okay, those who were 
able to have those systems, we use their homes. Yeah, well, this is the thing, because th this was the first time I feel that games became dangerous, because before this, they were just, the parents were saying, it's a waste of time, it's going to turn your brain to mush, you know, and now they were going to be the cause of a generation of serial killers growing up to murder everyone. I mean, that's, mm. th that's what our elected officials were saying in Congress, because there were congressional hearings about this stuff. And so Super Nintendo, you know, they were instantly lame in this battle because they turned the blood into sweat in their port of the game and got rid of fatalities. So that <laughs> made Genesis even cooler as a result. But also Mortal Kombat and a few other games, Night Trap and things like that, a rating system was instituted on video games that remains to this day. So, I mean, that was all because of this period of Mortal Kombat, you know, and everybody just being like, this is disgusting. We can't stand this. We must ward parents. Some of that, like, like it's fascinating because I know I, I, I read up on uh, the video game crash where video games were everywhere. The Atari and early PC games because people were just making it because it was a new medium. So that basically the marketplace got flooded with just trash games and so the entire thing crashed and nobody was willing to manufacture video games. Video games was seen as a dead, like it's it's a dead thing until Nintendo tried to pitch it as a toy. Right. And and that's one of the reasons that, yeah, Nintendo did, I think, stick with that family, like what like we want this to be sold as a toy. And that was even why, if you guys remember, like, Rob, which was the video game robot that would play along with you with the original Nintendo. Yeah, that was the one. selling point, <laughs> is that to, 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 to make sure that this is a toy. So it totally makes sense that when this comes out, they're like, whoa, this is like adult. They're like, no, 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 not adult. No, 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 it's for, it's for kids. It's for kids. <laughs> well, so here's the question then. In, you know, however often you played, who was your favorite character then? Did you have what you selected, or is there one that just stands out to you from a character design standpoint? I have never been good at fighting games. Like, again, I played mostly in the arcade, and I hated them because they were they were quarter munchers. They they just because if as soon as you lose, you're you're done. You have to put in another quarter. And I would almost never win on the first one. So like it was kind of a waste. I could usually only remember one, maybe two moves. And it was always the one that was just like, do back and then forward and hit the button. Back and forth. Or the one where you hit a, you do a semicircle and then you hit a button or something like that. So pretty much my go-to guy was Scorpion. Because Scorpion had a really easy basic move. So I could do that one move. And as long as whatever I was playing was susceptible to that one move, I could, you know, do okay. Which sometimes I could win one or maybe two matches, but get over here. Exactly, and that <laughs> yeah, could never figure out the fatality. Way too many buttons, so I didn't even try that one. Jeremy, is there a Mortal Kombat character that stands out for you? I mean, Sub Zero is pretty classic. Now, I thought, personally for me, Sonya was cute, so I pretty much chose her most often, <laughs> just to see Sonya in action. But otherwise, I was a fan of Reptile, so for some reason, I like the characters in green. I don't know why. But I will mention, just a character that stands out to me was Striker from Mortal Kombat 3, because he was just a normal blonde dude in security guard clothes with a backwards baseball cap and a gun. He looked like an angry Dave Coulier from Full House. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> You're right. He did. Yeah. I mean, it was just such a weird like decision to put that guy in the game. But what's funny, I was watching this behind the scenes video on the making of Mortal Kombat 3. It was actually something I watched. I remember watching years ago. And in the room, they were doing their pitch meeting for the names of the characters. And they're like, well, we got this guy. We got this one guy who's just wearing mall cop clothes. You know, it's just so it's pretty funny. Like they even called him a security guard back then. So they, they knew what they were doing. Now, you guys are saying, you know, maybe Mortal Kombat wasn't your number one. Did you have a favorite fighting game? Like, Jeremy, is there another fighting game that stands out to you? NFL Blitz or something like that? Uh, no. <laughs> a fighting game? Well, it was a, you could fight in that game. I mean, it was... You could. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could also fight in, what was it? Blades uh, of Steel. Blades of Steel. <laughs> was, was that the hockey like NES game? Yeah. So there's definitely that. I mean, it's like for example, like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Yeah, they kicked off that whole boom. And I played a lot of them. You know, I played Killer Instinct, Clay Fighter for the Super Nintendo. I mean, or if you guys, they even had uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tournament fighters. Like there were a lot of cool stuff. But the game that always caught my eye, Jeff, and this is another one that I played at the Irvine Lanes bowling alley. It was called Time Killers. It was basically like Street Fighter meets Mortal Kombat because they took all these characters from different time periods and brought them together to battle each other but they had a the modern day guy was this punk rocker dude named rancid and he had a chainsaw hand that he would use <laughs> to cut off his opponent's limbs in this like super bloody finishing move you know super cartoony but he was just like oh he's just slicing them up and it looked more gory than you know mortal Kombat, in my opinion so it was just it was pretty insane but i was probably most fascinated by by Virtua Fighter, because I used to play that at the arcade near my dad's office, and it was 3D, man! Computer animation! <laughs> you know, it was super blocky and terrible, but I, I love that game. I always thought that was cool, because the camera would, like, pan around, you know? Like, it was give you a full 3D space to work in, which is different than the, the 2D plane of most fighting games, so... But, so, at that point, obviously, Mortal Kombat, huge video game. Every year, they're just releasing a new game Game. It's like each year, here's the new Mortal Kombat, you're waiting for it. So in 1995, though, that was kind of like this apex of everything building, and it came to theaters as part of a huge marketing push for the brand, right? Because Mortal Kombat 3 was coming to arcades, more importantly, just a few months later, it was going to the home consoles, plus there was an animated adventure on video cassette. Now, I don't know if you guys ever saw this, but it featured cutting-edge motion capture computer animation just in certain segments though most of it was just like an animated version of the movie but then they would cut to these scenes for these like characters which nowadays would look hilarious but they said they were like oh yeah it was so cool because we actually got motion capture of real martial artists and then we could combine it with the animated characters but there was also a touring live stage show did you guys ever go to one of these stage shows that would go around based no. on a popular brand no no. no. Coming to your town. <laughs> so October 1995, 
at the Arrowhead Pond of Anaheim where the Mighty Ducks played. My friend Brett's mom took us to the Mortal Kombat Live Tour stage show. And I had wanted to go to the He-Man Power Tour in the 80s, the Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells concert tour. All throughout my childhood, never got to go. I was now, you know, I'm 13. This is my last opportunity to see something like this. <laughs> really, I was too old. But I remember nothing at all about the show itself, okay? Like, the show itself was totally forgettable, except where we sat. And the question is, why would I care about where we sat? Well, our seats were pretty high, but there was a whole section below us close to the stage that was empty. And there's this lady who was there with her kids. She goes to my friend's mom. She's like, um, I have tickets for those lower seats. Do you want me to take your boys down there? And for some crazy reason, my buddy's mom agreed to let kids that were not her own, that she is in charge of, go out of her sight with a complete stranger into this giant building. So anyway, so we go down there. You know, she's like, just wave at me when you get down there. So we go down, we wave and say hi, we're here, we're safe, right? And then the security guard instantly comes up on us. He, he says to this lady, he's like, oh, I just need to see your tickets, ma'am. Because there was nobody else in the area. It was obviously like not for anybody to sit there. And so she faked like it was too dark to find the tickets in her purse. I know I know they're here somewhere. I just, it's really hard to see. And he just, he wasn't buying it. He sent us back to our original seats. It was just like this disappointing, terribly uncomfortable situation. I will never forget that feeling. It was just awkward all around. So that's my Mortal Kombat Live story. <laughs> So the gal, she just went, oh, well, I don't actually have those tickets? Yeah, because she was lying. She just saw open seats, and she, I guess, felt like if she had more kids going with her, that it would <laughs> wow. somehow, they would think that was okay. I don't know what her rationale was, yeah. So, yeah, it was just totally, totally trying to get away with something, and she did not succeed. But yeah, so, like you say, most people did not see the live tour. Uh, most people saw Mortal Kombat live action for the first time in theater or on home video so for you guys the first viewing of the movie jeff where did you see it oh i mean it must have been at justin's house we watched that movie a ridiculous amount of times so we must have i'm guessing we must have rented it at blockbuster the first time yeah i don't remember the first time but so, so you're saying you weren't a big enough fan to want to go see it in theaters then oh no oh i wouldn't have seen it <laughs> I I wouldn't have seen it like even even on a home video unless he would have rented it. Wow. Like I had no interest in seeing that hot mess. No 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 no. <laughs> How about you, Jeremy? Do you did you just have your first experience with this, or have you seen it in the past? I don't remember seeing it in the past after having watched it. So wow first time now that's crazy because how old were you at 95 uh eight <laughs> yeah so. seven yeah well, that's crazy. Okay, yeah, so definitely not not for this young man's eyes. Well, I saw it in theaters twice. Of course. With my friends Brett and Matt. We saw it one day. We loved it so much, we literally went back the next day. It was just before school was going to start. It was in August, so we just had our summer free still. <laughs> I personally was there just for Bridget Wilson, who I was already infatuated with from Billy Madison. She's playing Sonia in this movie. I'm like, yes. I thought so, yes. And then the summer of 96, going into my freshman year, was spent watching Mortal Kombat and Billy Madison in endless rotation. So this is very big for me. But the fun fact is... The original actress who was cast to play Sonia was Cameron Diaz. Hmm. 
<laughs> but she broke her wrist during the training. So Bridget Wilson, she said the audition process was so long, she filmed Billy Madison in between by the time they were you know, in production. Wow. And so they called her like the day before they started production. So that's why she's such a terrible fighter in the movie, because they literally were teaching her <laughs> choreography on the set right before they would shoot the scenes. It's just crazy. It could have been Cameron Diaz. I can't believe that. It's hard to imagine for me. But this movie, this you know, as crazy as it sounds, in terms of familiarity and how much I've watched it, this is a top 10 movie for me. Maybe top 12. But just for enter pure entertainment value, I love it. So <laughs> we are going to get into your thoughts on this. Let me ask you this. So, Jeff, what is your favorite and maybe least favorite moment from the movie? Oh, that's probably the same. <laughs> Yeah, well, we can get into why I do enjoy the movie. And we have very different perspectives, it seems. The scene... <laughs> no, it is. It's both. Is that, So the scene that we must have watched on endless loop, I don't know how many times we watched this exact same shot, is right towards the end when... Shang Tsung turns into Liu Kang's brother, and one <laughs> Liu Kang's brother has like the deepest voice a 15 year old has ever had, which we laughed hysterically at. But then he's got this poor little baby face, and then he transforms back into Shang Tsung, <laughs> whose face is so contorted because he's going, You're mine! Oh my god. He had to watch that shot on replay every time we watched it and would just like Justin's mom would come in and like, what is happening in here? Because we were just laughing so hard. It's, it's oh, yes. I, I recall you and I quoting Shang Tsung, played by Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, over and over again. You fool. You will die. He doesn't. It is, it's fascinating with like, it's like him and Raul Julia must have been where they're like, hey, I'm in this movie, I'm going for it. Like, he does not, he does not skimp on the acting. Well, and what's <laughs> crazy, I don't know if you've ever heard him interviewed just as himself, but he's the most like, he's like, yeah, it's just, it's like with other villains I've played. Like, he sounds like this laid-back California surfer dude. It is so funny, like, after all these years of knowing him as Shang Tsung, right? <laughs> Well, because like his la like the last thing that I think people would know him if they were familiar with uh, the man in the high castle, he was a pretty major character, and the complete opposite. He's a very calm and demure, almost like studious official, and and yeah, it's very it's it's a it's a radically different role. And I love him. It's what's funny is I remember when Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes came out, and they're talking about all the different characters oh, who yeah. were playing apes. You know, they're like Michael Clark Duncan and Tim Roth and Helena Bottom Carter and Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. I'm like, Shang Tsung is in Planet of the Apes? That was actually the reason I went to see it. I was like, if Shang Tsung <laughs> is in this movie, I want to check it out. But He was one of the better parts of that movie, which is not saying much, but... <laughs> but Jeremy, you just had your first experience with this duology of films. So what was your takeaway from the first Mortal Kombat? What stood out to you? Agonizing. <laughs> um corny yes cheese ball yeah. um and as we've pointed out with 
some of the actors, they didn't get a lot of choreography beforehand, and thus their fight scenes were definitely on the uh, cringeworthy side. But did somebody give you a laugh? It was more the animation that gave me laughs. Uh. <laughs> um, I mean, Scorpion's little like hand unfolding and then folding back together. Uh, it was cringeworthy. The lizard. Yeah, the yeah. reptile. That that's the unfortunate. Reptile, yeah. That that's actual video game style, you know, CGI yeah. for that time. He jumped right out of a video game. That one's like, ugh. Now I will say for me, you know, as a young man, my favorite scene was the Sonya versus Kano fight. Okay, I rewound that a lot for my own reasons. But over <laughs> the years, I've come to love the Scorpion versus Johnny Cage fight. Just like the cobwebbed bamboo scaffolding set, I just think is amazing in that endless forest where they start out, you know, when the hand right. spike comes out. Like, for the time, Jeremy, for those of us, you know, a little bit older, we thought it was pretty awesome. At least I did. I thought I thought it was pretty cool for that moment. Like, his skin is folding back. There's something coming out. I can't believe it. But yeah, like, it, it was one of those things where I love looking at that now, especially the shot where Johnny Cage grabs a flaming shield with its serrated edges and then he jumps and does a spin and he cuts Scorpion's skull head. I mean, that's awesome. Lava comes out of his head for some reason. Yeah, why was there lava? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and why does he explode when his head gets cut? It's it's all very... <laughs> but but to me, I just love the setting, because that was like a practical set. Like, it, there's a lot of, like, matte painting and weird CG stuff. More like computer-generated matte paintings, I'm going to assume, you know? But, it, but it's just like, I, I love the atmosphere that was created in that. And a lot of that was actually a reshoot, because they realized they didn't have enough fight scenes in their Mortal Kombat movie based on a fight fighting game <laughs> so they had to go back and film these either extend out the fights or create all new choreography so and interestingly enough so robin show who played Liu kang and carrie hiroyuki tagawa who played shang sung they both did a lot of the fight choreography themselves not just for them right but they also got the guy who did the choreography for like the karate kid and really like every major film that had martial arts they brought this guy in and he also worked everything out so that was kind of cool but here's what i have to say so we're talking about yes it's not a masterpiece of filmmaking but compared to other video game movies guys <laughs> how does it hold up for you oh my gosh well i mean like that's a very low bar like, <laughs> i cannot think of a single good video game movie so it's top of the heap that's what i'm saying jeremy you name us a better video game based film come on assassin's creed <laughs> because you're a Fassbender um, really? fan? Well, that's better than this. This heat. <laughs> Laura Croft? Mm, Tomb Raider? Which one? The recent one with Alicia Vikander? Yes. Okay. Yeah, not Angelina. I, heard the, I mean, I heard granted, some... both of those were better than this. It was this. actually underrated. No. <laughs> <laughs> they were better than this, Adam. Also, the, uh, the Halo movie? Also better than this. There's a there is a Halo movie. There Was that direct to video? There is a Halo movie out there that is direct to video, but it's better than Warcraft, right? Never saw Rampage, Warcraft. Resident Evil 19. Well, the Resident Evil films are the same director. I mean, Godzilla versus Kong. That's not a video game. Wait, it's Rampage. You're saying it's this? <laughs> it's an adaptation of Rampage <laughs> that doesn't star The Rock. Basically. 
I should say, Jeremy, if you if you really want to appreciate this movie, watch the second one, and then you'll be like, okay, all right, this one wasn't that bad. I tried, but uh, for some reason, HBO Max would uh, I I just get loud clicking and beeping when I played this one. So yeah, I didn't get very far. That was your brain not able to translate the crazy images that you were seeing. But here's what I say why this movie works, why it is the top of the heap of video game films in my mind. So there, the three main characters have clearly outlined personal journeys they have to go on that the film actually sees through to the end, however base and simple. They're not deep, but the cast at least takes themselves seriously enough that I think you don't feel embarrassed watching it or embarrassed for them like they know what they're doing like you said jeff shang sung he is playing it to the rafters you know christopher lambert as raiden is just having a great time by the way who would have ruined the film originally who they wanted for raiden sean connery there's no way he would have gotten this movie and he didn't he just wanted to golf he didn't want to do any fighting movie but the humor also isn't cartoony if you ask me it's it's dialogue based it's like legitimately clever kind of hokey jokes but they're fun like you can see the relationship between the actors and i actually just saw an interview with robin shu and lyndon ashby who played johnny cage and they have been friends all these years like they just instantly became friends on the set and i love the back and forth they have in the movie you know just stuff like lou she's ten thousand years old so silly stuff like that but also if you look at street fighter that is intentional dumb humor you know steven d'souza who wrote and directed that film he was just like yeah this is for stupid kids so i'm writing a stupid movie super mario (laughs) brothers as we have discussed in great detail on a previous episode totally misses the mark but just in the most bizarre way Sonic the Hedgehog, most recently, a very nice film, but it's only barely based on the mythology of the games. The reason I say Mortal Kombat is successful, it honors the source material 100%. There is a tournament, it is supernatural, there is all, you know, like everything that was outlined in the first two games is happening in this movie. So to me, I just say like, you know, as as far as adaptations, it's very successful that way. But the other part of this that was very successful was the Mortal Kombat soundtrack album. I mean, that was huge. Oh, yeah. They still play that song. I mean, that's like the classic dance, fight, whatever techno. I mean, any, I think anybody nowadays, if you say Mortal Kombat, so many people would right. just... Mortal Kombat! Yeah, they just think of that music, which is only from the movie, not from the games. Like, that album went platinum, by the way. I mean, that's how big a deal it was. <laughs> it was the first soundtrack I ever bought. It turns out it was actually the first time I heard the guitar stylings of Buckethead, of whom I'm oh, a big oh, fan oh. now. But, I, you know, at, yeah, at the time, I didn't know that. It also introduced me to a whole different style of, like, techno and industrial music, like KMFDM, this band, like Juke Joint Jezebel. I don't know what KMFDM stands for. I have a feeling it is inappropriate. (laughs) I don't need to know. Uh, But, yeah, but it broadened my horizons because I used to listen to that album a lot. And I was just like, wow, this is some crazy music here. But this is a question I have to see if you guys recall this. So after the movie's release, there was a syndicated Mortal Kombat cartoon cartoon that aired on tv defenders of the realm anybody see that 
no. <laughs> and uh, then soon we had a sequel in theaters, as Jeff mentioned, with uh, Robin Shu uh, coming back as Liu Kang, Talisa Soto as Katana coming back, but otherwise major recasting across the board. You had Raiden was now played by James Remar. <laughs> I mean, James Remar, fun actor. I don't see him as a thunder god, though. <laughs> Sonia Blade, most disappointing to me, was played by Sandra Hess, uh, who I did not know. Although her first role, guys, Sandra Hess, we have discussed her before. She was the cave nug, was her official title in Encino Man at the very end when his girlfriend wakes up. That was her. I know you're excited to learn that. Um, <laughs> that that's good. And uh, Johnny Cage was not played by Lyndon Ashby and was killed in the first two minutes of this film, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. All right? So, and to make up for this lack of returning cast members, many of whom saw the script and just said no. Uh, and actually, uh, Bridget Wilson, she got a, a much bigger production, I guess you would say, and I know what you did last summer. That's the real reason she didn't come back. She's like, yeah, this looks like it's going to be a, a more important film, which it was. But there's so many new characters from the video game that finally show up in in this film so jeff you said you saw it why did you see mortal kombat annihilation oh, under no, what circumstances i didn't mean to say that i'd seen it i meant to see if you if you want to appreciate the first one then see the second one because i know how bad it is so you but only no, no, no. know of its reputation it's true. I've seen clips of it and stuff like that, but no, I haven't actually watched it all the way through. And Jeremy, what little you saw? Anything stand out? No, because it was just the recap of the very end cap of the first movie. Well, that's the thing. It, yeah, it picks up literally at the end of the first movie. You know, you have Shao Kahn, the Emperor, appear over the temple. And then literally, when you start on Mortal Kombat Annihilation, there he is. And all the new actors playing old characters are there <laughs> in the same <laughs> poses. And you're like, well, uh, so jarring. Now, I have watched it two or three times since my theatrical viewing experience. And it's true. It never gets better, not even in a so-bad-it's-good way. <laughs> I cited this in the early days of the podcast, or in the first few months. We eventually did, like, our favorite sequels and least favorite and all that kind of stuff. And this was my choice for the most disappointing sequel. It really was. <laughs> I love that first movie so much. And then I saw that, I said, I'm just like, oh, no. So you guys haven't seen it. So I will just mention real quickly as we move past it, what is wrong with it, in my opinion. Opinion. You know, is there anything right with it? Well, it does have a, a lot of fight scenes, but the movie now isn't about a personal journey. It's not even about a tournament. Right now, it's just like the worlds are merging, and so they, you know, basically, the Emperor's not playing fair anymore, and his dad is an elder god who's allowing the forces of the universe to be betrayed. I don't know. You know, but it's like Luke Hague and Katana are like the main characters, and it's just a series of missions and quests with very forced cameos by characters from the games. And it plays out much more like, I don't know if you guys even are aware of this, but they spun off Sub-Zero as a huge hero in his own platform video game so it's just like a side scroller where you would jump around and freeze people and blast bad guys and it was just it was just a crazy idea of that character and that's the version that appears in mortal kombat 3 and in this movie and then yeah the only thing i enjoyed about it is the actor who plays Jax really seems to be enjoying himself he's just having a great time he's actually an American 
American Gladiator. He's one of the American Gladiators. I think he was called Saber was his character name. But yeah, so it's just kind of crazy that he's in this movie. But otherwise, yeah, it's this is the thing. So yeah, across the board, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is makes so many lists of like worst movies ever made, and they still tried to get a third film produced after that, despite the disappointment. It was called Mortal Kombat Devastation. They had a script in which Johnny Cage would be resurrected to help these heroes fight against a resurrected Shang Tsung <laughs> and another sorcerer named Quan Chi. And reportedly, they built the sets and they were getting ready for it, and then Hurricane Katrina happened, destroyed the sets, and they just kind of abandoned the film. There's like a fine, you know what? It's a bad omen. We're done. <laughs> so, yeah, so for all these years, no Mortal Kombat. The only place you could get live action Mortal Kombat was through the syndicated television series Mortal Kombat Conquest. Huh, guys? You watched it? Nope. Didn't even know it existed, did you? No. I remember seeing the commercials for it and be like, oh. And then I watched one episode and I was like, hmm. I mean, because it was a soft reboot of the concept. You know, it had a lot of characters from the games, but not Liu Kang, not Sonya, not Johnny Cage. Like, the movie characters kind of were not there for some reason. And it ran for one season. They said it was doing well, so they claimed, but it was canceled due to the cost of production. Like so many great television shows, the Flash TV series among them. Now, later... In 2010, we got Mortal Kombat Rebirth, which was a short film and then became a an ongoing web series. Now, this, for you, might have some interest, Jeff, because it had a harder-edged, real-world tone, but featured Jerry Ryan from DS9 as Sonya and Michael Jai White from Spawn as Jax, among others. It was interesting, actually, because a year later, they when they extended out to Mortal Kombat Legacy, they did a, two seasons of that, in which Casper Van Dien from Starship Troopers and other productions played Johnny Cage, and Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa reprised his role as Shang Tsung. He was back. But this is the thing, none of those were a continuation of the New Line Cinema duology. So that's why it is up to us to imagine how New Line could have course-corrected or brought something new in theaters to make it a profitable franchise. So that is why I am most curious to find out what you have in store for us, your ideas for what the next Mortal Kombat film could have been in the late 90s, or if they were just rebooting it and New Line, not Warner Brothers, had the reins here. So Jeff, what do you have for us? Okay, so let's take you through Mortal Kombat 3, some sort of subtitle. Uh, so in Mortal Kombat 3, Raiden seeks, again, picking up where we've left off after Annihilation, Raiden seeks out Liu Kang and Katana, that apparently Shang Tsung has reappeared and is threatening Earth again. So the three fight their way through, like, I don't know, a pagoda or somewhere that, that Shang Tsung is, fighting their way to get to Shang Tsung so to stop him. And instead of finding Shang Tsung at the end, they find Shinnok again. Uh, the, the main bad guy from uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Then all of a sudden, Raiden kills Shinnok and reveals that it's not actually Raiden, it's actually Dark Raiden, Raiden's evil twin from a dark dimension. And the reason <laughs> for the death is that Dark Raiden knew that if he did this, then Shinnok's mother, who's actually the keeper of all time, might be, like, would, would react poorly to this. So sure enough, she does. 
she actually rewinds all of time to before everything went wrong, which was right before Liu Kang defeated Shang Tsung to, to stop from outer, outer world. Outer world, yeah. Taking over. So basically starts the original tournament all over again. So the original fighters are back and stuff like that. But this time, for some reason, the human fighters are performing terribly. They're making really strange mistakes where all of a sudden they start just like jabbing like into midair. They just like will stop moving and then some just get kicked in the face. <laughs> but then Liu Kang is going to fight. So like, all right, this is going to fix everything. And the same thing happens. Liu Kang is acting very strangely. He starts randomly jumping at one point. After he's defeated, the camera zooms out. And we see that we are actually being played in a video game by a middle schooler who is playing in like an old arcade game that's in the corner of a pizza shop. And the kids put another quarter in and then it zooms back in and now Johnny Cage is fighting. But he's fighting again really, really poorly, jumping like, oh, wrong button. So he's just jumping and jumping and then he keeps jerking backwards and stuff like that, like people who don't know how to play video games. This time he actually figures out how to, or not he doesn't, I mean, it seems like he does, but he actually wins this fight anyway, but then he loses the next one. And then it zooms back out. The kids are giving up. The pizza shop closes for the night. It zooms back in. All of the defeated fighters are kind of like getting together to try and figure out what went so wrong and discuss strategies. And that's when the real Raiden shows up and he explains what has happened. That apparently the the way that the universe works is there is a larger universe where, where we call elder gods exist and they actually control everything that is happening here. And apparently Shinnok's mom transported us to what he calls another vessel. And so the solution is we need to find an elder god that can better assist us in this. So Raiden and Katana set off on a new quest to find this portal, and they find this portal that allows them to have some sort of sense of the, the realm where the elder gods exists, which is our reality. And they keep sensing at various times that a greater competitor comes in into the, the, the range of their vessel, which is this this video game. So the camera keeps kind of fading from their reality, zooming out into our reality. We see some 20-year-old coming into the video game or into the, the pizza place. So using this influence that the portal gives them, Raiden and Katana are using the, the video game to kind of like make certain beeps and whatever to try and woo these greater competitors to come near, but nobody does. And so finally, the only person who comes to play is this 10-year-old boy, but he's lousy. And again, he's jumping and he's backing up and he's doing all sorts of dumb stuff. So finally, Raiden and Katana figure that they need to train him to actually be a greater competitor. So they do. And so they, we, the montage of him learning how to play the game, like figuring out how to manipulate all of these different competitors and finally does. And again, my, my idea is that it would kind of keep going from him playing into it actually happening and to him playing you know, back and forth, hopefully not jarring, but just like 
that we see what's going on. So finally, that leads up to the final battle where I'm assuming it would be Shang Tsung again. And then this time they have to, well, obviously it would be Shang Tsung. They have to defeat Shang Tsung. And this time he actually does. And they win the game. Everything goes to black and comes back up again. And they're right back where they started. But none of them know. It's just the tournament has started all over again. But Raiden knows, and there's going to be some sort of a, I don't know, connection with the audience that we know that Raiden knows, even though he realizes his job is to do the exact same thing over and over and over again and convince the fighters that they need to to keep fighting and tell the story and then reach out to other competitors as credits roll. <laughs> Jeff, wow, I have your title, by the way, Meta Combat. <laughs> Meta combat! That is levels upon <laughs> wow. levels there. I was going to go with last action combat. No? <laughs> you know there. I'm on board. I know. That is fantastic. All right. Now, my film goes in a different direction as well. You know, like I said, I I really enjoyed from the original film, and I think makes it stand out, is the humor. The intentional humor. (laughs) Maybe mixed a bit with the rest of it. But Mortal Kombat Annihilation, you know, like I said, they stacked the film with nearly every character from Mortal Kombat 3, and the ones from Mortal Kombat 2 they didn't put in the original film. Uh, But they made only brief mention of two characters from Mortal Kombat 3 as having been captured but not killed, and uh, Shao Kahn is mad so that he kills, you know, the guy Rain, who he sent out to take care of that. So they are never featured in the film, though, these two heroes. So this is their story in a film I call Mortal Kombat Nether Realm. We open on the same time but different location from the opening moments of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Kurt Stryker, played by Woody Harrelson, a smart-mouthed NYPD riot squad officer who is leading a group of police, fire, and military officers in a battle against the invading forces of Outworld, led by Shao Kahn's Lieutenant Rain, as the two realms are merging in Times Square. Stryker comments that he doesn't know what's going on, but he's always ready to throw down. Battling his way through terrain, the two engage in a vicious battle, and the streetwise tough guy makes a reference to his namesake in the movie Airplane, stating, quote, I have a drinking problem then smashes two heavy malt liquor bottles on either side of the Outworlder's head. Despite his fighting prowess with a nightstick, Stryker is ultimately subdued and knocked out. Waking up in a gladiatorial training camp in the Nether Realm, which is a space between Outworld and other dimensions, Stryker is forced into a fight to the death with a reptile ninja who surprises him with his long tongue and acid-spitting attacks. Stryker ultimately rips out the reptile's tongue and strangles him with it. This wins Stryker the favor of the war of the prison, Raiko, played by Ron Perlman, who explains that they are a training ground for Shao Kahn's soldiers, and that as you advance in their tournament, you literally rise in the ranks for every soldier you kill until you become the general. Stryker tells Raiko he'll fight, but not for status, just to quote, spoil his day. 
We flash forward two years and find Stryker is the reigning champion, but refuses to lead the army or train other soldiers. During fights now, he just dodges attacks and recites his latest top ten list of jokes about old TV sitcoms before delivering the killing blow. After combat, Stryker returns to a cell and plays a game of solitaire with a pack of cards while humming Metallica tunes. This annoys Raiko, who can't keep sending his best lieutenants to the slaughter and is forced to promote the next most winning combatant, an annoying braggart named Jarek, played by Ben Affleck, who was part of Kato's Black Dragon clan. Jarek abuses his authority and is fearful of a fierce female warrior named Tanya, played by Vivica A. Fox, this is a very 90s film, who we see quickly climbing the ranks, destroying her opponents, and will soon challenge him. We do see that Jarek is a dirty fighter, using the powers of a sorcerer named Quan Chi uh, during his bouts to help him defeat opponents and maintain his position. In return, Jarek gives Quan Chi free reign to use other conscripts in his sacrificial rituals that help increase his own power. At one point, Jarek tries to murder Tanya in her sleep with an acidic poison provided by Quan Chi, but he's foiled by Stryker. Soon, the two, Stryker and Tanya, start a friendship and a relationship of trust where Stryker agrees to play cards with her, no longer alone. Meanwhile, a new conscript, Cabal, played by Freddie Prince Jr., a younger, amoral charlatan is made to be Stryker's cellmate and they instantly rub each other the wrong way, trading comedic insults. Cabal is made to fight a character called Meat, who is a skinless, bloody skeleton who he defeats by ripping off two ribs, which he uses as daggers to slice his foe to pieces. Stryker appreciates his cellmate's ingenuity in the fight and learns that as a renegade from the Black Dragons, which was Kano's group, Cabal has a history with Jarek, hoping he'll get a shot at that, quote, smarmy jerk. Cabal also reveals that this tournament is all for naught, since Shao Kahn has been defeated during the events of Annihilation, and balance has been restored outside of Netherrealm, which gets Stryker's attention. He says they just have to get free and find the portal home. Stryker and Cabal team up to find a way back to Earth, but are discovered by Jarek and reported to Raiko, who forces them to face a four-armed tiger monster named Kintaro. Despite Jarek ordering Quan Chi to paralyze the pair with a spell, leaving them helpless to defend themselves, Tanya luckily interferes and they successfully defeat the Beast Warrior. Raiko is then murdered by Quan Chi at the arena, stating that he is staging a coup of Outworld on his way to conquering the Earth. This surprises Jarek, who thought he would be in charge, but he doesn't dare cross the sorcerer. This leaves Stryker, Cabal, and Tanya to fend off Quan Chi's army in a massive battle to the top of the battle arena where the portal is being opened, passing through various levels to face pairs of formerly dead Mortal Kombat villains brought to life by Quan Chi's necromantic powers. You get duos like Kano and Melina, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, Shiva and Goro. Cabal finally gets to face off with Jarek, who gets powered up by Quan Chi for the final fight, and together with Tanya, they send Jarek to his death. The final battle with Quan Chi finds Cabal and Tanya laid out by the sorcerer at the mouth of the portal, but Stryker defeats him by bashing two bottles of the acidic poison on the side of his head, calling back to his earlier attack, stating, I have a drinking problem. Quan Chi melts like the Wicked Witch of the West, and evil is defeated once again. Tanya decides to stay back and pick up the pieces of Netherrealm, preferring instead to be the queen of her own domain, and wishes her Earthling friends good luck on their return home. Stryker and Cabal end up back in New York in front of a bar and go in for a drink. 
Cabal says, quote, I thought you had a drinking problem. To which Stryker replies, it's only a problem for the other guy. As they toast to freedom and a new life, but are interrupted when a couple of tough guys try to start a fight. The film ends on Stryker and Cabal punching together towards the camera as credits roll. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And we're ready for a sequel. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it moving. You know, we got to build the franchise. (laughs) All right, Jeremy, what do you got for us? All right, we have Mortal Kombat Chaos. The realm of chaos is tired of being in waiting, and thus they've begun a false invasion of Earth realm in order to instigate Earth's mightiest warriors, who haven't lost in decades, to come to their own realm for a home match, and thus home field rules, which in Chaos Realm means there are no rules. <laughs> Raiden has been missing for years, thunder and lightning storms churning up around the globe over the years as he's been missing, but no sight of the man, the god himself. Thus, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, and their daughter Cassie Cage leave a family vacation to come to the rescue, joining Katana, Stryker, Tanya, and Liu Kang fighting off the soft invasion before following the combatants through the portal into Chaos Realm. The portal closes behind our heroes, and they realize they've been lured into a trap. Fight and win, or die. Early fights seem almost too easy for our seven, but it's showing that our Johnny and Sonya have slowed with age. After the early fights, surprisingly, Goro parts the crowd and announces to his throng of warriors and supporters, and the shocked looks on our heroes' faces, that the warm-up round is over! Let mortal combat begin! Johnny and Sonya win their matches, but had to resort to dirty tricks and shortcut moves in order to win and move on. The rest of the gang progress through their one-off and tandem team-up fights. Uh, Liu Kang takes down a resurrected scorpion and reptile in a two-on-one battle by the skin of his teeth. Because Chaos Realm has no rules. Uh, Kitana and Cassie have tackled their own fighters, but upon their semifinal match win, they are confronted by Goro, who reveals that Cassie's parents have been captured. And they will be executed if she does not bow out or take a fall during her final match. Liu Kang and Katana team up to find and free the parents in the background while Cassie is in the ring fighting for her life and her folks in this Mortal Kombat Chaos. <laughs> it's paradise. Always got to find the reason for a new tournament, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You gotta set up these fights. I gotta say, you know, speaking of which, we didn't mention this earlier, but you you bring it back, Goro. Goro, to me, like, in that first movie, I'm sure a lot of people look at that and say, that's terrible, that looks so goofy. I think that is some amazing puppetry. I love that Goro. Like, it just, I think the, the expressions, you know, that he gives, and just the, I, it always just blew my mind. It was like, how did they do that? Is there just a short guy on top of another guy's shoulders? <laughs> That was one of the options, but it was just, uh, wasn't it a Jim Hansen animatronic? 
upper on top of some guy's shoulders? Well, he wasn't officially a Muppet, but he was he was a very advanced uh, animatronic. And yeah, so a lot of it was, I think they did a lot of it from just like the waist up, you know, they had, they were able to control it. But then they did have certain shots, they said, where they did have a guy in the suit walking around, but he could only be in there for like two minutes because he couldn't breathe wow. inside the costume. <laughs> yeah, all that animatronics definitely produce some heat. Yeah, it's just like the, the people who had to play the Ninja Turtles in the original film, you know, it's just like, oh, that was intense. So, but yeah, no, so that's that's cool to see that back. All right, well, Jeremy, lead us into the votes. Well, it is now Mortal Kombat for our pitches. Here we go. Uh-huh. Adam, where does your vote fall? Well, I'm, I'm very curious about, you know, Mortal Kombat, the next generation with Cassie, this new fighter. I'm very, I would be very curious to see what she does and all the different chaos rules because there are no rules. Anything can happen, which is nuts. At the same time, I'm thinking about how popular the Jumanji franchise is right now. And it feels like Jeff's like meta, like living beings inside a video game. Wreck-It Ralph meets Jumanji, something like that. <laughs> Like it just feels like that probably actually would find a way to be a big hit. So I think I gotta vote for Jeff just so we can get the box office to keep this franchise alive. <laughs> All right. Oh, Jeff? The box huh, well, it's interesting because it's like it kind of feels like Adam, you took it in a new direction, which I appreciate, but I'm also like, well, but is that a sequel? It's a spin-off more of Mortal Kombat. So it's just point. like whereas Jeremy's your feels like a legit sequel. But that is that challenge of like, but I didn't like these movies. So <laughs> do I really want more of the same? But I, I do have to like the for me, I think the the deciding point is is the two things that I liked about yours, Adam, I mean, I liked all of it, of course, and both of yours, but two of them that stood out to me was one, you brought up like the humor, even though I'm a little bit nervous about some of these one-liners maybe working better in the 90s than today. But (laughs) nonetheless, the Johnny Cage one-liners did work in the 90s, so having Woody Harrelson giving those, and the one flaw, well, one A flaw from the original movies was the fact that like the, these video games are known for their violence and yours definitely seem to have a lot of that like blood guts and gore which I think even though that's not my thing I think it does it's it's an honest like depiction of the video game so all that to say I'm going to go with that oh one and one where do we go Jeremy uh we're going to go wreck it combat here all right. Dragon <laughs> Combat. All right. So here here we are. These these souls of the famous for Mortal Kombat fighters are now trapped in a video game where they have to relive. It's Groundhog Day meets Wreck-It Ralph <laughs> meets Jumanji meets Mortal Kombat. Right. Although I guess my, my initial thought was that they've always been there is that the idea uh, was that they were originally in a video game, I don't know, like professionals playing it. That's why they were so talented. Well, or, or it's just that it was a bigger deal in the 90s, so people cared about okay. being good at it. So that that's what I think makes the sense, yeah. Okay, yeah, because, because it's always been a video game. But, I mean, either one works that if you're doing the rewrite thing with 
whatever the heck uh, uh, Shinnok's mom's name is, the Keeper of Time. She could all she could be the Keeper of Space Time, and she could just yeah transport them into a video game. Either way, I think either way. Works. Well, so so this is something you looked up, Jeff. You went to go see what Shinnok's backstory was. Well, no, actually, I looked at the premise of because the latest video game that came out is Mortal Kombat 11, uh-huh. and that's where Dark Raiden comes from. And okay. I think that's the same thing with Shinnok's mom. But what is Shinnok's in the video game? Well, it, it, it so it, well, I'm talking about the movie universe in, in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which you didn't see. Shinnok turns out to be Raiden's father and Shao Kahn's father, and they are brothers. And Shinnok right. is an elder god who is like in charge of them. So that's what, when you brought that up, I was like, the movie continuity or the continuity of the games in the early days was a little different than Mortal Kombat 11 continuity. Well, that's it's because the, the interesting thing, and that's what I was looking up, is that the pre- premise or the the plot of annihilation is pretty much the same plot of mortal kombat 3 that's where they took that whole like right. bringing his bride back and blah 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 blah. and then shinnok's the main bad guy controlling shank what's the other guy shao khan shao khan yeah 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 so. In this premise, though, like you say, so technically the events of the first two films happened because they were part of that mythology. They were pulled directly from the first three games. So now at this point, like you say, we have this old cabinet. What I think is interesting about your premise is, yeah, so now now we're in the modern day, it seems, and people are playing it. But yeah, they're not very good at it. It's in a pizza place where it's not getting a lot of love, so they're kind of trapped in there. It, it, or, you know, like you say, they're they're waiting for their chance to win and not be in danger of losing the tournament. But I guess what we have... This feels like you brought it up earlier. We almost do need to have the last action hero element, like you said, of having this kid that gets trained. So the question is, is he going to get sucked into the Mortal Kombat world to gain his confidence to then get out again and play and be the master of these people that the fate is literally in his hands on the joystick and control buttons. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the less inspiration we take from Last Action Hero, the better, because <laughs> it didn't work well the first time. But, because I guess my thought was that the dual gotchas or whatever is the first one that they're actually in a video game. Uh-huh. Uh, and so then, yeah, like you said, you have the meta element. But the second thing is, as a video game, when you beat the video game, it starts over again. So it's like, there wouldn't be like, we've won, there's peace now. It's like, until someone else puts a quarter in the machine. So that's <laughs> that's like kind of him being sucked in. I mean, you could still do that, where it's just like, I kind of like that idea. It's almost like the unhappy ending. Well, I feel like there's got to be somebody who becomes aware of that other than just Raiden, who is having an existential crisis. Like, there's got to be a comedic character that we assign this to, and maybe it will be Stryker or something. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Who's like, this character is just like, you're telling me I'm doing this for all of my existence? I'm just reliving the same matches over and over again? I'm not even in control of how I win? You know, that type of thing. Well, except for, at least for me, I was feeling like that's 
like the very end. I mean, that could even be like the post credit scene. I wasn't thinking that would be a plot point. I thought because that would your be- your premise is, but like, how does how does the ultimate player? You know what I'm saying? Like this kid uh-huh. that we're saying needs to be trained up. Were you saying Raiden comes out of the machine? Or just speaks to him through the machine, like. Or somehow, and that, yeah, I mean that was the thing. We we might need to figure out yeah. some creative way because I don't know, like the whole talking, like come over here, child, like that seems silly. <laughs> him transporting out of it seems a little. But too... Raiden is like electricity based, so he exactly. could technically travel out. Yeah, like you say, Jeremy, well, you getting any ideas here for how that mechanic could work? The communication. Uh, well, okay. Let me let me build in a premise here. The kid we're gonna have. He's been getting beaten up at school. He's kind of a loser, loner. This is his escape. So this is where he comes after school every day. Comes to this pizza parlor on his way home, and this is where he escapes from his troubles because the bullies don't mess with him in the parlor because the owner is kind of protective of the kid. Um, I do like potentially the idea where the kid is kind of sucked in, but he's playing the game and there's some sort of electrical storm that happens and he's brought in maybe only in mind and there's a brand new character in the game that he is. And so he has to learn to fight in the game. And once they've beaten the game, the game resets and he has returned to his body and the character goes away in the game. Yes. Now we've got, well, see then the two problems, one, we've got Tron now, which I love using Tron, but (laughs) I mean, if we're going to trope things, we might as well steal from all of them. Well, and that's my other concern is that like, to be honest, like the whole been bullied at school and this is my only like place where I'm appreciate, like, uh, that feels a little overdone to me. Well, it, it is contrived, but at the same time, your your premise, Jeff, is a funnier die sketch. It's not a full movie, <laughs> so we gotta flush oh. this out. <laughs> well, and that's where it's it's more. I'm I'm instead of the, I'm picturing the Lego Movie, where ah. you know how with, if you guys have seen the Lego Movie, where they. Actually, well, in the Lego movie, I don't know that they realize that they are Legos that are being controlled, but where the vast majority of the movie takes place in the Lego world, and then, like, the audience is the only one privy to the thing that there's an outside story going on. But that's what I say, but there has to be something happening then in between, like, the whole adventure that's going on, so it either has to be not a kid who becomes the ultimate, you know, player of the game, or it needs to be a situation where, you know, a character from the main roster has to gain a power and have a certain lesson while there is some concurrent story going on in the real world, because otherwise, you know, like, we, we have to choose either, or I don't think me in the middle works like like you say you have the outside world as the framing device but you have to decide right. how connected you want the outside because in like the lego movie you know it's will ferrell and his son and you know gluing all his pieces right. together to keep everything perfect and all that but they don't you know interact with the lego characters so how do you want it jeff that's what we say you're the producer on this <laughs> do you want right. them to talk to this kid and teach him a lesson even if it's contrived or do you want them to control their own destiny inside the game somehow? I don't, but in my idea is like, well, because one, 
I kind of liked the idea that, because that has been a theme throughout the video games and the movies, is this concept of the Elder God. Uh-huh. And that the fact that they've always been referring to us as the Elder Gods, like, I kind of thought, even though I'm sure there would be some canon that would violate something that mm-hmm. has been said. Because I think technically, isn't uh, Shinnok an Elder God? Yes, but, yeah. Um, so we'd have to rewrite that. But it's that thing of, like, I don't know, for me... Again, I, I wasn't picturing the beaming him into the video game system because I feel like that creates some issues. Yeah. But the whole, like, yeah, I've been talking to a video game. Like, that seems a little... Yeah. Then that brings its own issues. So I was almost... I, I don't know. And again, this is the part that I hadn't figured out, is that if there was some way of almost, like, Raiden almost, like, manipulating him in some ways, like... I told you were video games were a tool of the devil! <laughs> <laughs> well, if there was some way of, like... <laughs> like, um, I don't know, he pushed the wrong button, and then Raiden would, like, zap him or something like that! Or something <laughs> like that, and he's like, this machine is so okay. cool like zapping me or something yeah see i like that 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 works now the question is we have to determine like time frame so is the kid literally getting better in an afternoon maybe while he's hiding out from bullies or something even though that's not the main subplot or is it a situation where it's like he we see him coming back on different days but raiden has to get his attention like i was almost thinking like what if raiden somehow was able to like because it's at a pizza delivery place so the kid gets a pizza delivered but inside is a scroll inviting him to participate in mortal Kombat. and he's like oh this is awesome so he goes back to play it you know again and he keeps getting like little tips on the scrolls that get delivered to him via pizza box so that he gets a little bit better each time something like that so it is like a little bit supernatural there is communication but it's not a direct dialogue interesting so what if we could what could we use like could we use the fact that it's an old video game and to be like you know like glitches in the game so we could, Ooh. because that's the one thing about Mortal Kombat is it does have so many little like, get over here and yeah. uh, finish him and whatever, that it's the game is telling you what to do or whatever. So could the, could he use those out of context where the kid walks by and then hears, get over here. Like, what? <laughs> I think that works. Also, by the way, I mean, we have to have one cameo outside of the game, I feel like. And to me, we got to have like a little Wizard of Oz moment. Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa is running the pizza place. Oh, sure. It's called Shang's Pizza. I would love, like, if we're going to do full-on cameos, like, you've got to have, like, Ninja has got to come into the pizza place and look over there and just be like, nah, not my style. Or something like that. These, like, world-famous video game players that are just not into it at all. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah, so it's too old school for them. They're not going to stream on... Or at the very least, it's not worth their time. It's not... Yeah, it's it's not that they're not good. Because remember, I like this the idea that they're trying to get a champion that knows what they're doing, but nobody's willing to do it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, for the kids. You know, yeah. the kids today. I'm, and I'm, you work with kids, which is why you know who Ninja is. I only know him you're because I... You're old man, man. I'm telling <laughs> you, if you're, if you're under the age of 35, you know who <laughs> Ninja yeah, is. Yeah, I know, I know. He's the most famous person on the planet. 
Apparently so. According to the How Did This Get Made podcast, I was listening to their Ninja 3, the Domination episode, because I just got that on VHS, and they were doing a search, and they said, Ninja, the video game player, comes up before the actual definition of Ninja on Google. That's how popular he is. That's the only reason I know who he is, by the way. But I do like I do like your concept there that you that yeah, you can use the glitches and maybe here and there, like they're adding in new phrases that are being shouted at him, you know? <laughs> and he's just like, Oh, okay, okay. You know, because he doesn't know any better. It's not like he's been reading Game Pro magazine and he <laughs> getting his tips right. and tricks from there. He's like, Oh, the, the game teaches you. Okay, okay. You know, so yeah, so I think that's good. And there doesn't have to be like a huge lesson maybe for the kid you know he doesn't have to stand up and use some move to defeat a bully or anything like that but maybe it's just like jeremy was saying it's it's his escape and maybe he does gain some extra confidence and by the end you know something good does happen or maybe he's just he just feels good and then the machine is unplugged and removed from the store <laughs> Doesn't that feel like that is obviously where it would go? It's like, now the machine's moving on to go help another kid. You know, like, that's that's another cameo we have to have. Somebody <laughs> coming to pick up the machine. you got to have Johnny Cage come in as the, uh, the moving guy. <laughs> taking you to his, like, retro arcade store. Definitely. So, Jeff, I suggested Meta Combat. But uh, uh, do, you, do you have another idea that you think we could use for the title, Jeremy? Did anything pop into your mind for this concept? I mean, the only bummer with Meta Combat is that it does kind of give that... A, it's not a surprise now. Yeah. I mean, I guess you would have to put that in the trailers in order to Ultimately, get people to watch yeah. it. Mortal Kombat replays too too obvious also. It's too... But, like, something video game related, because yeah. it's not, like, Devastation, it's not Annihilation, you know, it's not, like, right. that dire. Respawn. Yeah, because they already did Rebirth <laughs> as one of those web, the short films, so that doesn't work. Because you gotta use the name Mortal Kombat. You couldn't just call it Combat, or... Arcade. Immortal. Immortal Kombat. Ar- Mortal Kombat Arcade. Groundhog Combat. <laughs> Ooh, could it be... Because video games, whenever you lose it'll always say continue yeah so i don't know about continue mortal combat the legend continues <laughs> or just continued continue continue with a question mark <laughs> and it's spelled with a k there you go mortal combat continue with a k question mark done and <laughs> you put it in a different font all right, guys. Well, there you have it. Uh, a very uh, unique take. I don't think anybody saw coming, but you get the cast back. You still have the same characters. You still get all the action you want. You just have that uh, that meta framing device that surprises you, possibly. Maybe the teaser trailer doesn't tell you that, but the trailer just before it drops on streaming and in theaters will uh, reveal that twist to get people that weren't up for a Mortal Kombat film more interested. I gotta say, I don't know if we're going to be covering it on sequel chat but i'm not super looking forward to the mortal kombat reboot Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it has any humor but maybe i've just haven't seen that yet oh come on they brought in jimmy olsen from supergirl to play Jax. that's comedic uh yes (laughs) 
But also, like, just the idea of, like, oh, there's a new character who's the young, you know, warrior who's coming up and all that. I don't know. I, I don't know if I like that as the premise, but I, I'll see it and I'll find out. Maybe I'll change my tune. Are you guys going to be rushing out to HBO Max to watch Mortal Kombat here? I don't know if I'll be rushing, but I might just turn it on one weekend. Well, thank you so much, guys, everybody. We're glad to be back here. And if you have a suggestion for a film that you feel we should be pitching our sequel, prequel, or reboot to, make sure to find us on social media at SQPod. Of course, we are part of the Retro Network. A big thanks for bringing us on at the beginning. And here we've been all this time. We're looking forward to bringing you more excitement and fake movie fun. So... Until next time, flawless victory. We thank you for listening to this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to continue to fake movie fun on social media. Submit your ideas for future episodes to sequelquestpod at gmail.com or sqpod on Twitter. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.